Happy Father's Day to our dads. I hope the day is going well so far. Obviously, the day is young. Um, it's a very interesting and I dare I say exciting time to be a woman in society. Now, I'm not speaking from personal experience, obviously, but <laughs> barely a day goes by when I am reading through my news feeds where I don't see something talking about or uh, commenting or advocating for things like equal opportunities for women uh, in the marketplace in particular, things like uh, equal pay for a woman doing the same job as a man and, and, and bridging that pay uh, gap that is unfortunately still prevalent in, in many industries. And it's my hope that some of this gap will be bridged in, in my generation in my lifetime. And, and I say that to dads this morning, because if you're a dad of, of, a, of a girl, I hope that you, as you speak life and dreams and vision and future into your daughter or daughters, that they're not gonna have a glass ceiling that's gonna stop them from doing the things that God's put them on this earth to do. But they're gonna actually be able to be a part of a culture, a part of an environment, a part of a society that will actually give them a very long runway to get to very uh, high heights and do the things that God's called them to do. And you don't have to hold your words back and you don't have to hold their dreams back because of some of what's happening. And yeah, I know we've got a long way to go, but, but, but I, I'm confident for the future. And, and by the way, it's gonna, it's gonna happen also, not just because of legislation and a workplace change, it's also gonna happen because of women growing in confidence, of women actually understanding their capacity and, and pushing the glass ceiling up until it eventually breaks. Women not having to apologise for what God's birthed in them and not having to, to kind of just hide in the shadows of what's long been uh, expected of them. I'm excited for all of this. One thing though, when massive societal change is taking place, one of the things that we are terrible at is putting it in context. See, what should happen as, as, as the confidence and the capacity and, and the opportunities for women goes up, that should actually rise the, both genders boats, that should actually rise the water level across the board. What can happen and what I see the risk of happening is instead of the levels going up across the board, is that actually a seesaw effect may end up taking place. Where, where whilst women are, are seeing their, their, their opportunities and seizing their opportunities, that men, uh, if they're not careful, can feel threatened, can get confused as to what their place is and, 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 and a seesaw effect takes place and, and, and the risk is that men will, will shrink back in an effort to make room for confident women. Let me tell you, men, confident women are not attracted to weak men. Confident women are not attracted to men who lack vision, who lack discipline, who lack character, who lack the will to get out of bed in the morning, who lack direction, who lack purpose, who lack goals, who lack strength, who lack 
confidence. Confident women aren't looking for weak men. And, and I know this. This is an insider tip because I married a confident woman. And 21 years ago, when Louis rolled up on me, uh, she wasn't looking for a, a man that she could play mom to. She was looking for a life partner that she could marry that was gonna encourage her and challenge her and inspire her and, and speak God's truth into her life that she can be everything that God called her to be. She wasn't looking for a weak man and I wasn't threatened by her being a confident woman. That was the reason I let her ask me out. <laughs> True story, by the way. So this morning, I, I wanna actually spend a little bit of time Talking about, it's a message I've called the making of a gentleman. And this word gentleman is, is a word that not only do we not use very often in society these days, but it's actually lost a bit of its sheen. In fact, in, in many cases, it's just been kind of shrank, sh- shrunk wrapped down to meaning somebody that opens doors for ladies and maybe offers to pay for the meal at the restaurant. And even then, by the way, if we were to shrink wrap it down to that definition, the PC brigade will roll in and they'll say, uh, well, when you open doors for women, uh, uh, that demeans them. And, and, and they're very capable of opening doors for themselves. So stop, stop putting them down. L- listen, I've never once met a confident woman who felt that her value and, 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 and worth was threatened by me or another man opening a door for her. In fact, what I've seen is that a confident woman, when you open the door for her, that actually demonstrates that you see her value and her worth and you're willing to actually take a little bit of initiative and open the door for her. And by the way, I have no problem if a woman opens the door for me. Why is anybody threatened by any of this crap? But the making of a gentleman isn't just around the idea of opening doors and paying for the meal. In fact, God has a real clear picture of what it means to be a man and and be a gentleman and be the sort of gentleman that He created us to be. And so I'm gonna take you to uh, one verse in the Bible. There's a lot of verses. I'm just gonna drill into one this morning. It's from a book called Micah. You find in chapter six, verse eight, you can actually open our Elevate app. You tap the Bible, it'll, it'll take you straight there. And uh, the context of of what I'm gonna teach from this verse in Micah is God's people were a little bit confused in this point in history. Up to this time, uh, there had been layers and layers and layers of rules and regulations added. More rules, more regulations, more rules, more regulations. A whole lot of noise and a whole lot of confusion. And, And God's people, they weren't, they were now a little bit stuck, a little bit lost, trying to figure out what, what really matters here, to cut through all the noise and what really matters here. And so they just, they, they actually got angry. And they screamed out to God. And by the way, God's a big boy. He don't mind when we scream out to him every now and then. He's not threatened. <laughs> so they screamed at him, God, what do you want us to do? I want to, I want to, can you just cut through all the noise and just give me, this, give me, the, give me the main point here? And, and, and he responded with this, a summary statement. In fact, and this is the slice I'm gonna take out this morning, a summary statement, his summary statement included the summary statement of what it means to be a gentleman. And he responded and says, he is, through the prophet, 
He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. There's three major keys that God drops right there. To do justice, to love kindness, to walk. What, what does God require of you, man? To, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. I want to drill into those three things this morning. The first one, God says that, man, we're to do justice. Notice he doesn't say we are to admire justice. You know, you see the World Vision commercial on TV and you say, oh, they're doing such a terrific job. You hear about the friend down the road who's given some money or given some time or volunteers in a charity and you say, I really admire that person. Okay, that's great. Applaud, admire, but that's, that's not it. That's not enough. God says, gentlemen, do justice. Be somebody who's on the front line of justice. See, God knows and you know that we live in a world that's full of injustice. And if we leave injustice untended, if we leave injustice unconfronted, it will actually get worse. Things will continue to devolve. And so God puts the gentleman on the front line and says, go and do justice. Go and make a difference here. Make the world better for others, not just for yourself. And so a gentleman understands that they're to go and fight for what matters most. They're there to pick the sort of fights that matter most. That they're to use whatever power they have to empower others, not just use your power for yourself. They're to use, a gentleman uses their freedom to fight for the freedom of others. That a gentleman uses their strength to defend the weak. A gentleman doesn't bury their head in the sand. A gentleman doesn't cower in the corner. Well, at least I'm not doing anything wrong. Do you know there's something worse than going through life having done nothing wrong? That's going through life having done nothing at all. A gentleman makes a difference. Now, look, there's a lot of injustice in the world. Let me throw one out at you. There are more people in slavery situations around the world today than at any time previously in human history. Sex slave, indentured labour, etc. And you, and I'm not gonna go on, cause, cause, but, but, but if I did, and, and even without me going on and starting to talk about more of the injustices in the world we live in, it can, it can come across as overwhelming. You know that, I know that. And, and, and when it comes across as overwhelming, it's sometimes difficult to know where to start. In, in fact, some people may even kind of resign themselves to think, well, I, what difference can I make at all? Most people in, in slavery situations at any time in human history, what, what can I do about that? I don't know if I can do anything about that. Well, there is an African proverb that I want to throw you away today. White man says African proverb. If, you're, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping in a closed room for a night with a mosquito. Don't 
let all of the injustice in the world justify inaction. A gentleman does justice. That's why several years ago, we launched what we call Elevate Global. Some of you know about Elevate Global. Some of you are doing justice through Elevate Global. Let me unpack that for you because this is an opportunity and this, you, you can be the mosquito in, in this situation. We, we've partnered with two organisations based out of Australia. One's called Compassion. And uh, Compassion are very well known for their child sponsorship programs. And many of you I know do sponsor children through Compassion. We've partnered with, with them. Uh, the thing about child sponsorship with Compassion is it's for school-aged kids. The problem is a lot of kids in developing countries don't live that long. They don't get to go to, they don't, they don't live long enough to make it to grade one at school. And so Compassion also run what they call a mums and babies program. And several years ago, about four years ago, when we started partnering with them, globally, 22,000 children aged zero to five were dying each day on the planet. Kids aged zero to five, 22,000 a day were dying and dying largely of preventable or curable diseases, things like diarrhea. I'm happy to say that through the efforts of organisations like Compassion and, and many others around the world, that figure of 22,000 a day has just been reported by uh, World Health Organisation is now around 19,000 a day. But it's still 19,000 a day. It's still 60 Boeing 747s full of kids that are dropping out of the sky every single day. Many of them by the cause of is preventable or curable diseases. And we, we currently won't be able to save all 19,000 of them, but we can save one and we can save two and we can save five and we can save 10. And we're not the experts in the field. Compassion are the experts in the field. So what we do is we invest through them to do justice and we do it in a village in the Philippines. Do justice. We also partner with an organisation called Opportunity International Australia. And Opportunity International Australia do microloans. And, and, and again, we're working with them, investing through them in the Philippines with microloans. And they actually loan just amounts from about $50 up to about $200 to, to women in particular to uh, allow them to, to start or grow a, a business, a small business that's gonna be able to provide an education and, and, and health resources for their family, uh, ultimately a, a place to live. Um, because the problem in many of developing countries is enterprising people who aren't lazy, who aren't looking for welfare, they don't have the startup capital, 50 to $200. We're not talking about Silicon Valley here. We're talking about startup to, to take their craft, basket weaving, uh, small plot gardening, whatever it is. They don't have the startup funds. 50 to $200 is all they need. They don't have access to that. So they go to the richest guy in the village and they ask if they can borrow it from him. And he says, sure, you can borrow it from me, absolutely. But then they produce six items. He wants them to repay him eight. That's just a simple, that's just the math. Well, they, they can't repay eight, but if they did repay eight, which they can't because they only produce six, they're not making any profit because they can't sell because all of their money plus more is going to the, the guy. And by the way, that's a form of indentured labour, a form of slavery. And so Opportunity International roll in and lend 50 to $200 to allow them to buy their raw materials or allow them to buy seeds for, for, for the, for, to plant in the nearby land. 
And within actually a relatively short period of time, months and maybe you know, like about a year, they're, they're uh, moving rapidly towards financial independence, allowing the kids to have an education, something we take for granted, obviously. Access to health. And that in, in and of itself, by the way, that in and of itself uh, reduces the child mortality rate. And by the way, did you know that that in and of itself actually reduces the incidence of slavery? Because some of, some of the reason, not the only reason, some of the reasons some kids are, are, are involved in slavery is because their parents sold them into slavery because their parents couldn't afford to keep them at home and they needed the money. They had six kids, they sold two, they kept four. And you think, how could a parent do all that? Well, I don't know. And nor do you because you've never been in that situation. But that's how desperate things are in some people's world. And if they didn't have, if they had the financial resources, that wouldn't be an option that they'd be considering. So we do justice. We don't do it perfectly. And by the way, we can do a whole lot better. But if you're wondering where's a good place to start, friends, investing into Elevate Global financially is a great place to start. But it's not just limited, doing justice isn't just limited to overseas. You can do justice every day. Gentlemen, you can do justice in your relationships. You can fight for your spouse instead of fighting with your spouse. That's doing justice. You can make yourself emotionally available to your spouse instead of trying to one-up her and steamroll her when she's feeling a little bit vulnerable. That's doing justice. That's what gentlemen do. They do justice. You can do justice in your workplace. Instead of parking your butt out in the break room and gossiping and shitting on the person that everyone else doesn't like, how about you go and find the person that everyone else doesn't like and take them to lunch and, and find their story? You might find that they're actually not as bad as everyone's telling you that they are. And you're setting an example of what a gentleman does. A gentleman defends the weak. They don't join in steamrolling the weak. There's everyday opportunities. My mom, my mom had polio when she was age four and five. And so throughout her life, she's had lower leg complications and she's nearing her 80th birthday now. And her health's not brilliant. She's still mobile, but she gets around on her best day with two crutches, heavily reliant on them. And on her worst day, she's moving around in a wheelchair. Anyway, my dad and my mom, as often as they can, they get over to Midland Gate and my mum sets herself a goal, as well as doing a little bit of shopping and probably having a coffee. My mum sets herself a goal that, that, that she's going to walk from one side of Midland Gate to the other and back. That's her goal. That's her movement. I'm going to keep moving as long as I can. That's her goal. And she told me a few months ago she was doing this and moving slowly through Midland Gate. And a guy uh, behind her, screamed at her for moving too slow. You old people shouldn't be allowed to be here. You're, you're slowing things down. You're getting in my way. There's two things there. Number one, he, he's, he's glad that I went there because I would not have been a gentleman in response to him. But here's the thing. He wasn't being a gentleman. He was being a dick. And he wasn't taking the strength that God's given him and exhibiting it in a way that does justice. Someone that wanted to do justice would have rolled up alongside my mom and said, is there anything I can do for you? Can I carry something for you? Would you like me to pop into a store and, 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 and help you with your groceries? A gentleman does 
justice. Gentlemen, step into the space and do justice. God says another thing a gentleman does is they, is they love kindness. Do you know that kindness is not weakness? In fact, did you know that bullies are actually weak? Because bullies are rolling around trying to make themselves look stronger than they actually are. And they're picking on the weak and the vulnerable to demonstrate something externally that they don't possess internally. Kindness isn't weakness. So don't be afraid of being kind and people thinking that you're weak. In fact, it takes an incredible amount of strength to demonstrate kindness. Gentlemen don't use their power to overpower others. Gentlemen don't use their strength to intimidate others. Gentlemen understand that their strength is given as a source of protection. Now, I, I do triathlon and as part of the training for triathlon includes cycling. And uh, cycling uh, is, is becoming a very dangerous pastime on our roads. The incidence of cycling related deaths in uh, Western society is currently increasing at three times the incidence of vehicle related deaths. Car hits cyclist, cyclist loses. And so I've been out cycling. I've been cycling on a, on a cycle path down the freeway. It's quite wide. You have people coming one way. You're going the other way. There was a pedestrian coming one way. I was cycling the other way. My good buddy Stuart behind me. And uh, he, he took a swing and, and, and punched me in the shoulder because uh, he doesn't like cyclists. Uh, on that same ride, we, were, we, we, we wheeled around to Swanbourne. We were going up a little suburban street in Swanbourne and a hairy biker pulled up next to us on his Harley and asked me if I had an effing death wish because I was cycling on a suburban street. It was weird. Um, I've, been, uh, I've been knocked off my bike. I've been involved in a hit and run where a car hit me and knocked me off my bike because apparently I was making him late for work. It's like, mate, I'm not making you late for work. Hitting your snooze button three times is making you late for work. And uh, I've been in the back of ambulances uh, as a consequence of being hit by motorists. And uh, yeah, um, here's the thing. The guy that punched me, the fat hairy biker that uh, dropped the F-bombs, uh, the guy that, that did the hit and run, they were not loving kindness. <laughs> they were not gentlemen in those situations. And, you know, I'm not just throwing shade on motorists and hairy bikers. Cyclists aren't exactly the greatest gentlemen always either. And, I, and I'll tell you this, because a month ago, about a month ago, I was riding and it, and it was raining. And when it rains, what happens is uh, the rain forces or, or, or brings um, stuff out from the, from, that is buried in between the stones in the road. It kind of brings it to the surface. So when it's raining, you're more likely to get a puncture. Now, I carry enough uh, repair stuff that if I get one puncture on a, on a ride, I can fix it. But if I get a second, uh, that's it, I'm out. And so um, this became a double puncture day. And uh, it's raining. I'm in Delkeith, about uh, 20 kilometres from home. And I get my second puncture. And there I am on the side of the road. And I, I got no options. I, 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 I've already used my first puncture kit that happened earlier in the ride that day. And... Uh, I knew that Louis was visiting a girlfriend. I'm in Delkeith. She's visiting, visiting the girlfriend that morning in Allenbrook. And I, and I, 
I, oh man, did I debate calling her for a, a ride. I, I, I thought of calling an Uber, which I've done before. Uh, it uh, stained the beautiful Uber driver's white clots when she helped me put my bicycle in the back of her car. Sorry about that. Uh, so I didn't do that again. So I stood there in the rain on the side of the road just with my bike and the back wheel off and watched, uh, it's a pretty um, popular cycling route, watched dozens and dozens and dozens of my fellow cyclists just wheel on by. All of them with puncture repair kits strapped to the back of their bikes and not one of them so much as slowed down with those magical words, you okay, mate? Gentlemen love kindness. I'm a registered marriage celebrant and so I perform weddings for uh, people here at Elevate when they're getting married. And um, it it may be here or maybe at another venue, but uh, the father of the bride typically comes in with a bridal party and and the the, the deal is the, the father of the bride jumps out of the car along with the bridal party, but the bridal party have things to do. They touched up the makeup and uh, a few photographs. And so the dad's just kind of standing around uh, waiting to walk his daughter down the aisle. And so I'll just uh, come next to him and and, and ask a question. I say, hey, um, so uh, how's the transition going? You know, because this is a dad of a daughter. Dads of sons are like, man, I couldn't wait to get rid of him. But dads of daughters, you know, I know know dads that if they had their way, their daughters would never leave home. Not all dads. Um, but I just say, how's the transition going? And here's the thing. Every time I've asked that question, not once has any dad said to me, oh, the guy she's marrying, I'm glad he's rich. No one has ever said that. Oh, I'm glad he's got a great job. Never said that. Do you know what the common denominator is? They say to me, I'm glad that she has found, that my daughter has found the sort of man that's gonna treat her the way that she deserves to be treated. I'm glad that my daughter is marrying a man who loves kindness. I'm glad that my daughter is marrying a gentleman. I was uh, lying on my my couch. Sometimes it looks like a CSI uh, with me just kind (laughs) of Saturday afternoon on my couch, chalk line around my body and uh, scrolling through Netflix looking for something. And I saw, I saw The Intern, movie The Intern. Uh, Robert De Niro, and I'm a pretty, pretty big De Niro fan. Hadn't really, didn't really know much about the movie. Uh, Anne Hathaway, you know, I could take her or leave her. Um, she's, she's got an attitude problem. But, um, but uh, so I, I go on IMDb and, and Rotten Tomatoes and have a look at the reviews. And, 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 and I wasn't, I was looking for seeing if it was gonna be any good, but you can't always trust people because you know, it's only someone else's opinion and they might be a moron. Um, <laughs> What I'm looking, for, so what I was looking for in this case is, is just to make sure it wasn't a rom-com because I don't do rom-coms, okay? And I was encouraged by the first, the first review I found referred to the intern as a non-rom-com and I went, play. And I watched it. It's a delightful movie. There's not even any villain in the movie, which is these days is just a fascinating plot line, by the way. Uh, 
and I'm watching it. And, 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 and the basic premises is, is Anne Hathaway has launched this fashion e-tail company and she's got all these young guys working on, on the website and making all the traffic go through the e-tail. And they had an opportunity for an intern, Robert De Niro, he, he's recently widowed, retired. Uh, he decided to apply, a long story short, he got the internship, but he's old school and he turns up to work like this. And by the way, during the film, he asked, he asked one question out loud, why doesn't anybody tuck anything in anymore? That's a great line. Uh, he, he asked these particular guys, why do you dress like little boys? He's just asking, he didn't know, he didn't understand. Anyway, there's all this stuff. There's one scene in the movie, when you, if you review the intern, just search Google, whatever, there's one scene that just continually comes up in the reviews and it's called the handkerchief. The scene is referred to as the handkerchief. And what it was is De Niro's in, in a movie. It's his job at this time as the intern. He's shadowing Anne Hathaway's character. They're in a meeting. It didn't go so well for Hathaway's character and she starts crying. And so he reaches into his suit and pulls out a handkerchief and offers her the handkerchief. And he says to her, uh, you know, well, anyway, he says to the guys later on, I, ca- I don't carry the handkerchief for myself. I carry the handkerchief so I've got something on me to offer when someone needs it. He says, the the handkerchief isn't for the man, the handkerchief is for the woman. But you know the reason this pops up in so many Google searches is because the PC brigade came out in full force when this movie dropped. Because the PC brigade say, oh, offering a woman a handkerchief is demeaning to women. You know what, you know what, you know what? Carrying a handkerchief around just in case somebody in your orbit needs it says to that person, it says to that person that you're not so self-absorbed that you only prep to go out in the morning with just enough for yourself, that you in fact love to do and love kindness, that you prep ahead, you prep extra, you take more, you've got something to offer the dudes and the chicks. You don't be threatened. I'm demonstrating your value. I'm demonstrating your worth. I'm honouring you. I'm showing you that I love kindness, that I'm a gentleman. Bloody PC brigade. But but here's the thing. When, When God gave these three major keys, the first one, do justice. The second one, love kindness. You don't have to be a Jesus follower to do those. In fact, in our Elevate group on Wednesday night, we were, we were talking and a couple of our, our crew said, oh yeah, this is a guy at my work. He's like, he's like, he's not a Christian, but he could be because he acts like one. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I get it. I mean, geez, I know some people who aren't Christians who act more like Jesus than people who say they follow Jesus and act like douchebags. Uh, anyway, not naming names and nobody here. Um, but, but, but you, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to be someone that does justice. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to be someone that loves kindness. You can be a gentleman, not a follower of Jesus, but a gentleman and do those two things. But God adds a third one in His vision for what it means to be a gentleman. And it's this one, it's to walk humbly with your God. And this one is the game changer because this one confronts what so many of us men are constantly taught, we're taught that we have to be self-reliant. We're taught that we have to always have it all together. And, And God says, no, 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 a gentleman walks humbly 
with their God. A gentleman acknowledges a need for God because if you, if you, if you, if you prize self-reliance as one of your greatest values, you will actually, you will actually either consciously or, or subconsciously mask what is actually baked into the heart of a gentleman, and that is a need for God. You mask that. Because to acknowledge a need for God is acknowledging that we don't have everything we need to fulfill the purpose that God's put us on this earth for. He says to walk humbly with our God. And, and, and guys, I, I get it. It takes, it takes a shed load of trust to walk humbly with your God because you only walk humbly with God if you think He's someone worth walking humbly with. If He's gonna lead you into your destiny, your purpose, a better place, a better direction. I like to take my uh, bicycle with me whenever I travel. I like to live on the edge. You know, if you're gonna die, you might as well go down cycling, I say. Um, so uh, I was in uh, the States a few years ago um, visiting, uh, part of the trip visiting some friends of mine. They live about, mm, well, you can't really, when you're in LA, you can't really say how far someone lives by time because 20, it could be 20 minutes at 9 a.m. It could be four hours away at 5 p.m. You just say distance-wise, they live uh, about 50 miles outside of LA inland. And, um, and uh, before I went there, they're not ex where they live is not exactly the cycling mecca of the United States, okay? So I have to go, before I go, there's a website called mapmyride.com. So I'm looking on mapmyride.com, where to ride. People post comments, post their own rides. So I'm interfacing with them, like the bulletin board thing. Hey, dude, I'm coming from Australia. Can you share that? Tell me a bit more about this. I saw the map. Uh -uh. So I, I saw one uh, route that I thought would be pretty cool on a Saturday morning from my buddy's house uh, inland to Newport Beach on the coast and back. It was about a 140 kilometre round trip because I'd been told that there's a cycle path from where they live to Newport Beach and obviously back. Um, and I thought, cool, I'll cycle to New Newport Beach, have a coffee uh, in my Lycra like you do, and uh, then I'll cycle back, no worries. But, but this guy on the bulletin board had said to me, on Map My Ride, said to me that, that the, the, there is a cycle path and it's, it's all the way, but it's kind of broken up in places. You have to kind of cross the bridge, you have to kind of go back around an industrial park, it doesn't kind of meet up there, and, and gave me all these tips, but, but he wasn't able to actually meet me there and, and show me. And um, here's the beauty of it. I have a smartphone. And my smartphone has a thing called GPS. And so you can actually take the map, my ride map, and download it to your phone and shove it in the maps application. And uh, you just press go and it leads you there. And you know this because you've done it driving. And I got turn left here. The, by the way, when you go to America, put Siri on, freaking hilarious, because she's got an Aussie accent. They just love it. They love it. They're just like, what? Siri's an Australian? Say, oh, sorry, Australian. Yeah, yeah, she's Australian. Everything smart's Australian. That's what I tell them. <laughs> Walking humbly with your God is, is, it works essentially the same way. It's actually submitting your life to His and trusting that He's gonna lead you to a place that's better, that He's gonna lead you to a place that's good, that He's not gonna lead you astray, that, he's not, that even if you go through difficulties, He's gonna actually walk with you as you walk with Him. 
through those challenges. A gentleman does justice, loves kindness, and walks humbly with their God. I'm gonna pray. I wanna pray for the guys here because what I was praying for myself this morning and through the week to deliver this message is that, man, that you, that you would get that I wasn't here to throw shade on you, that I was here to inspire you and challenge you and encourage you with this vision that God has for what your life can look like through God's eyes. And it's not always easy. And there's, and there's, and there's a culture that's coming at us. And I may or may not talk about that at another time. Um, but we don't actually have to get swept downstream to become weak, emaciated, emasculated, effeminate, apologetic, clumsy, Homer Simpson-like. God, I, I thank you for the vision that you have laid out for men. I thank you that you have a picture and you've put that picture into words. And I pray for the men in this room, fathers and not fathers, the men in this room, the men in our church, that they would have the, the boldness, the strength and the courage to pursue this vision and to become everything that you've called them to be. And in doing so, to do everything you've called them to do. In Jesus' name, amen.